Hey everybody, it's April 8th, 2020. This is a release date intro. It's an interview with Myron Golden. Powerful, powerful podcast. He talks about how to be more, do more, have more, and how this is actually your opportunity. Don't waste time worrying about what's going on. Develop that million-dollar mindset. It's the principles of success. Now, keep in mind, this was recorded about three weeks ago. It was March 17th. And this was like the first week of that financial collapse when things started happening. So we were talking about things at that time. Fast forward to today, the COVID-19 is actually more deadly, deadlier than the flu now. And the rate of new cases is slowing, but we haven't seen the peak as yet. First and foremost, I hope that you're staying safe out there and that you're prepared. But I'm telling you, this is a powerful podcast, principles of success and something to listen to over and over again. Turn this into an opportunity. Turn lemons into lemonade. My goal is to help you through this, and I just opened up free access to our Dropshipping Insiders group. You can go to insiders.dropshipfunnels.com. Go to insiders.dropshipfunnels.com. There's a wave of new people buying online, and I'm sharing what's selling and how to get started. Okay, let's kick off the podcast. Hey everybody, Brian McCumber here with Tech Money Talks. I am really excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast. We are fortunate to have Myron Golden, PhD, as a special guest on the show. And if you don't know who he is, then you're missing out big time because Myron is an international best-selling author, speaker that has over 27 years experience helping other million-dollar producing clients take their business to the next level in sales and marketing, business development, financial literacy, the works. If you're interested in starting an online business to make extra money, you better save this episode in your back pocket and listen to it over and over again because the stories and the tips you're going to learn here will give you the opportunity to quickly launch your own business to help your wallet grow fat. Myron teaches everyday people to develop true wealth using skills they already have. Myron and I met at Funnel Hacking Live where he's been a multiple time keynote speaker for Russell Brunson's ClickFunnels event. If you're serious about building your own business, Myron is one of the few people in the world that can actually help you with this goal. Time is money and everyone's looking to get a piece of his time and I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Myron, thanks for joining us, man. How's it going? Absolutely fantastic. I'm over here in Tampa, Florida, and we are, um, you know, we're just living our life like it's golden. Yeah, well, I tell you, thanks for being on the show. And, uh, you know, I also wanted to, to jump in real quick just, just to give perspective on, on the timing. So even for the audience, as you're listening to this podcast, you know, it's March 17th, and we're literally kind of like, you know, days into what's happening around the world related to the coronavirus being a, a national emergency Seem, we seem to be like a second day into the beginning of a, like a worldwide financial recession. So I just wanted to give timing perspective as well. And, and Myron's been awesome because, I mean, he's a busy man, but he still made time to, to do this, to honor and do this podcast today, uh, which I'm really grateful for. And I think our conversation here today can, can be really helpful to a lot of people that are, that are trying to figure out what they plan to do you know, to, to really uh, kind of weather this, this storm or winter, really. And uh, we're going to talk all about it. But I, I'd say, you know, for the audience, you know, maybe Myron, that, uh, 
you know, so that they can get to know you a little bit better. Maybe you can kind of share, you know, your background and your journey into business and then we'll go from there. Yeah. You know, my journey into business was more like stumbling into business. I didn't, I didn't set out, Oh, I'm going to be a business guy or I'm going to be a business coach. You know, people say, I'm going to be a business coach or I'm going to be a, a business consultant. None of that. I was young guy in my twenties trying to figure out how to take care of my new wife. And mm-hmm. it took me a little while to get it figured out. And so we, um, I remember I got married in 1985 in August of 1985. And literally I was like, I was poor my whole life. Didn't have any earthly idea on what to do to take care of myself, let alone take care of me and a new wife. And um, within a year and a half, we had a new baby on the way. And I was like, what in the world? Why does it have to be so hard? And what's really interesting is it wasn't that it was hard. Like, that's what people say, right? Why is it so hard to make money? Why is it so hard for me to figure out this thing? Why is it so hard to start an online business? Why is it so hard to make money? Well, it's not it that's hard. It's just that you haven't learned how to do it yet. And see, it wasn't that it was hard. It was just I didn't have the skills yet, right? And so once you develop the skills, anything's easy if you know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, um, and especially, the better you get at doing it, the easier it becomes. And so I got started um, in a network marketing company that sold insurance and investments in October of 1985. And the amazing thing about that is I knew nothing about sales. I knew nothing about network marketing. I was basically horrible at all aspects of the business. And the reason I tell that part of the story is because it's the start that stops most people. Most people think that because they're not good at something, that is a legitimate reason not to give it a shot. But I submit to you, there's nothing you can't learn. Would you like me to prove that, Brian? That there's nothing, like whoever's listening to this podcast right now, there's nothing they can learn. Would you like me to prove that? When you landed on this planet from your mother's womb, you didn't know how to do anything. You couldn't hold your head up. You couldn't count your fingers. You didn't know your name. You didn't know your mom from your dad, summer from winter, wet from dry, hot from cold. You knew nothing. So Mm -hmm. all you have to do to understand that there's nothing you can't learn is look at the chasm between where you started out, you knew nothing, and where you are now, and you know all these different words, and you know how to ride a bike, and you know how to drive a car, and you know how to balance a checkbook, and you know how to use a computer and a phone. and Like, you've accumulated so much knowledge in your short period of time on this earth, that ought to encourage you to let you know there's not anything you can't learn. Now, there may be some things you won't learn, but there's nothing that's learnable that you can't learn if you make up your mind to do it. And I remember like uh, you even uh, wrote that book. What what led to writing that? It was I had the title like from trash man to cash cash man. And was that was that actually telling like your journey? Yeah, that's my journey. So like shortly after we got married. So I was terrible at the business. Right. In fact, I was so bad at selling that um, it took me a year and a half to make my first sale. And I was working. It wasn't it wasn't because I wasn't doing anything. It wasn't because I was sitting around watching television. Um, in fact, we didn't have a, ch- we did not own a television until my children were teenagers because I had made up my mind and my wife and I, we made up our minds. We're not going to watch other people live their dreams while we're living a nightmare. We're going to figure this thing out. I don't want to entertain myself, yeah. right? On nothingness, on distractions while my life isn't working. Anyway, so um, the first job that I was able to find after we got married and I got this job two years after we got married. So we struggled for a long time when my wife was eight months pregnant with our first child our electricity and our water were both disconnected at the same time. That's what I call pitiful poor. Pitiful poor, let me give you the definition. It's when you're so poor, poor people feel sorry for you, right? And (laughs) 
And that's where we were. And so I got looking through the paper, found a job. Oh, trash truck driver. Okay. $6 and 25 cents an hour. I'll go apply. So I went and applied. I, they gave me a driving test. Now you got to understand a, a trash truck is a stick shift. It was a five speed transmission. Uh huh. And it has a heavy duty clutch. And I've, I've got a brace on my left leg because my left leg's not strong enough to hold me up, right? So it's certainly not strong enough to push in a clutch. So I'm driving this truck and I'm using my hand to push down, put, pick up my leg, put it on the clutch, push in the clutch with my left arm with my leg, shift it into gear, and then grab the steering wheel, drive for a little bit, and then push it in again with my left hand and then shift it to the next gear. I grinded those gears all up and down the road. I thought to myself, well, surely they're not going to hire me. Well, it just goes wow. to show sometimes people are more desperate to hire somebody than you are for the job. Right. And so they hired me anyway. And, um, so I got a job as a shuttle driver driving trucks back and forth to the dump three or four or five trucks a day. And they paid me $6 and 25 cents an hour and $9 and 50 cents an hour for overtime. Did that during the day, came home, took a nap, went out and went on insurance and investment appointments at night until I finally figured it out. Wow. Wow. Powerful story. And I think it's good for, you know, for the audience to, to capture. So, so like Myron was, was communicating is like, you know, he didn't start out with all this smashing success uh, because there's a lot of people, especially, you know, outside looking in they see, you know, they see the people with the success and hear million dollar producers and, uh, and, and immediately they think, oh, like it's, you know, either a get rich quick scheme or, you know, some overnight success. But I mean, you know, maybe even talk a little further about that, like the level yeah. of work. So yeah, for me, it wasn't over. It wasn't overnight success. It was just a fourteen-year night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from, from, from the time I got started as an entrepreneur in nineteen eighty-five till the time I had my first six-figure year, it was literally fourteen years. That's how. It's not how long. That's not how long it took me to make the money. That's how long it took me to become the person who was able to make the money. See, powerful. Life works the same way for everybody. If you understand the laws of physics, I'm not going to get all geeked out here, but the laws of physics govern our experience on Earth with with regard to time, space, and matter, right? That is the platform that we all have to deal with. We all have to deal with time. We have a start date and an end date, right? Every morning the sun comes up, every evening the sun goes down, like every day has a start and an end, every week has a start and an end, every month has a start and an end, year, et cetera, et cetera. So we got to look at the beginning, we got to look at the end. When When we see a beginning, we know there's going to be an end. Right. So with my life, there was a beginning. There's going to eventually be an end. Right. So um, and what I have to understand is I've got to deal with time. We got space. We got to move around. We got to do stuff. We got to make stuff happen. That's what we do in space. Matter. Yeah. Matter. So the purpose of time. Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So then we then we got matter. Matters just the stuff we deal with. It's the money in our pocket. It's the it's the house that we live in and the cars that we drive. It's the matter. It's the stuff. So we have to. Most people make the mistake of thinking that, well, I just want to have more stuff. I want to have more matter. I want to have more money matter. I want to have more better car matter, better house matter. I want to take better vacations matter. All that stuff is the stuff. But here's how God set it up in the beginning. And a person may believe in God, may not believe in God. That's of no consequence to me. Um, I believe in God. So you're learning about how I do what I do. So, yeah. so, so, so I believe God set it up like this. He established the platform before he put the people on it. And the platform is time, space, and matter. Then he established the parameters for the, that platform. And the parameters are be, do, have. So here's how he set it like up. That. Be, do, have. Now, here's, I like what Jim Rohn said, that, or maybe he said part of this. 
what that means is don't be, can't do. Don't do, can't have. But it all starts with being. We're not called human doings. We're not called human havings. We're called human beings. So the more I become, the more I have the ability to do. The more I do, the more I have the right to have. Right? And so many people Powerful. want to start out with the have. I want to have more. Well, desiring to have more is not enough. You've got to become more than you've been so that you can do more than you've done, and then you can have more than you've had. It's how, it's, it's how it works. So the, if you look at the platform and you look at the parameters, each one, of those, each one of those parameters is for a different one of the part of the platform. It's like, it's like hand in glove. So the purpose of time is being. Anything that you're going to become that you are not right now, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take time. Remember I said it was an overnight success for me, right? But it was a 14-year night. 14 years was the time it took for me to go from struggle fest to making six figures. But then after I got to six figures, three years was the amount of time it took me from going to six figures to seven figures, right? Because what happened? I had created some becoming momentum, so getting from six figures to seven figures, even though that, that's a much larger jump than from 30,000 a year to six figures, or I wasn't making 30,000, 13,000 a year to six figures, <laughs> that's, that's a big jump. But from six figures to like a like million dollars, that's a much bigger jump. Yeah. Millions of dollars, that's a much bigger jump, but it took less time. Why? Because I had becoming momentum. And so the purpose of time is being... The purpose of space, the reason space exists is for doing. And the purpose of matter is having. And God put inside of all of us a desire to have better matter, to have a better car, to have a nicer house, to live, have better experiences with our families, have nicer vacations, um, to have more money in the bank. That, there's nothing wrong with those desires. Those are God-given desires. But the reason he gave those desires to us is so we would finally, eventually, yield and say, okay, I'm willing to do more so I can have that stuff. And then when we attempt to do more and it doesn't work, we would be willing to yield to saying, okay, I'm willing to become the person who can now do the thing. And then I can finally have the stuff. So the whole purpose, the reason matter, the stuff that we desire, the reason we have a desire for that stuff and the reason that stuff even exists is for the purpose of helping us become more, maxing out our potential, becoming more than we are. Powerful. Yeah, very well said. And I think, you know, again, even like I've mentioned in the intro, like this is the part where you actually want to re-listen to this over again, because for so many reasons, I mean, I think one, because of the value. And I think I was taking notes along as you were just talking and uh, we'll include that in the show notes. The other thing, you know, I like what you touched on, which is, you know, you're becoming a different person, you know, you know, like you said, a 14 year journey. Yeah, you're, you're a different person of you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like you said, a 14 year journey, you know, you're a different person 14 years later than what you were when you were started. And so the, yeah, and the things that you consume, the things that you think now you have a different perspective and you're taking it in uh, because you're a different person at, at that level. Absolutely. You're 100% <laughs> right. And see what happens with most people is they only focus on distractions, right? They don't, they don't focus on determining factors. They don't, they don't focus on determining factors. They only focus on distractions. What do I mean distractions? Anything that doesn't make your life better or give you the ability to make somebody else's life better, it's a distraction. And most people, like most people can tell you all the sports players of all their favorite teams, right? 
Mm-hmm. But knowing the names of those people doesn't make their life better one iota, not even so much as a, I'm going to give you a technical term, not even one smidgen, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if they would have taken that same amount of effort, energy, and mental bandwidth and put it into learning to become a person that has a new skill, that could make their life better. But instead of focusing on the determining factor, they focused on the distraction, and now they get what focusing on distraction gets you, frustration. Right. And so and speaking of, well, I'm like, I don't want to minimize. So one of the things that I believe is I believe that in a free country, everybody has a right to their own opinion and everybody has a right to like speak their mind. Like if, if I disagree with you, I have a right to disagree with you. If you disagree with me, you have a right to disagree with me. And if you disagree with me, that doesn't make you a bad person. It means you disagree. Right. Yeah. Now, we live in a world where media and politics, they want to frame everything as if you disagree with me, then you're a hater. If I disagree with you, then I'm a hater. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down even further than that. If I may, like, yeah. I believe, let's say, let's say I'm going to, I'm going to talk about something very, very controversial. Um, I believe that somebody who, for instance, is a white supremacist, right? Mm-hmm. I believe they have a right to be a white supremacist in the United States of America. They have a right to believe that. They have a right to even voice that. Like to say, hey, I'm, you know, I believe white people are better than black people. Or if somebody believes black people are better than white people, they have the right to believe that. I believe that in a free country, you should have freedom of thought and freedom of speech. As long as you don't use your freedom to inhibit somebody else's freedom. Now, if somebody else believes, let's say there's this white supremacist dude over here, and he believes black people are less than white people. Like, I will disagree with that belief, but I would fight for his right to believe it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now, some people who are hearing me say this would say, I can't believe he just said that. Well, <laughs> first of all, like, like being born black in the United States of America, most people would say, has negatively affected my life in a very measurable way. So you don't know this, Brian, but I was born in the town I live in now. I was born in Tampa, Florida. In 1961, which is exactly 96 years after the Civil War ended. Okay? But I was born in a segregated hospital that was started by a post-Civil War nurse. Wow. Because black people were not allowed to be born in Tampa General. This is some six or seven years after the polio vaccine had been discovered. But yet I contracted polio because of the conditions of that hospital were not as good as the conditions of other hospitals because they just didn't have the wherewithal. Wow. Okay. So I can say without a doubt that racism, discrimination, prejudice, whatever you want to call it, has negatively affected my life physically, right? Yeah. Yet and still, I believe that a person who believes that, you know, black people are less than, for instance, they have a right to believe that. If somebody believes that the sky is green, brown, let's just say the sky is brown. If I say, well, Brian, did you see that brown sky? The sky's not brown. The sky's brown. Now, you would disagree with me when you look at the sky and see the sky is clearly what? Blue. How angry are you going to be at me because I believe the sky, because I'm dumb enough to believe the sky is brown? No. You're not going to be angry with me at all. Why? Because <laughs> I have a right to be wrong. I have a right to be wrong to the point of stupidity. Now, I happen to believe that racism is stupid because there's only one race, the human race, but I'm not going to argue with somebody about it because they have a right to be wrong. 
Yeah. And I also believe that when I really believe something in in the center of my being, that um, if I really believe it, I can believe it all by myself. I don't need anybody else to join me, right? I can believe it all by, if everybody else in the world disagrees, if I really believe something, I don't have to go around recruiting people. Now, I said all of that to say this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make anybody else's feel like um, they're an idiot if they disagree with me, but we can just agree to disagree. So here's what I'm going to say. We're right now in this, we have the World Health Organization has has declared an, a worldwide pandemic, blah, blah, blah. I personally believe that worry is the greatest waste. And the greater the worry, the greater the waste. And I think we are seeing it on a worldwide scale like we've never seen it before, not in my lifetime, right? The whole world is afraid of getting a disease that heretofore, like right now, as of, day, as of right now, is less lethal than the flu. Yeah. Right? And so whether you believe it's worse than that or not, you're entitled to believe that. That's fine. Like, I'm not even trying to get anybody to believe what I believe. I'm just giving you my perspective. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I believe that um, this is not a storm to be weathered. This is not a storm to be weathered. This is an opportunity to be taken advantage of. Okay. Well People said. Think, the stock market went down like, 10,000 points. Great. So do you make money when the stock market goes up? Do you make it when it goes down or do you make it when you go sideways? Right. This is, this, this probably frames everything that we could talk about for the rest of the day. If we did this podcast interview for the rest of the day, this is a frame that we could put around the rest of our lives. So the stock market can only move in three directions. It can go up, it can go down, it can go sideways. Do you make money when it goes up? Do you make money when it goes down or do you make money when it goes sideways? Which one do you make money which direction do you make money when the stock market moves? In which direction? When it goes up, you're increasing that's what, value. That's what most people would say, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. But the opportunity. So here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm <laughs> going to say. Yeah. Whether or not you make money when the stock market goes up, down, or sideways depends on your position when it moves. Correct. Yeah. That's so you are the determining factor. The stock market's not the determining factor, right? Yeah. The stock market went down, I think. 2,900 points yesterday, right? So I, when it popped up 1,900 points on Friday, I said, oh, this is fake. Because <laughs> I understand a little bit about how the stock market works. There's no reason for the stock market to go up 1,900 points. So what I did, I bought some financial instruments that gave me the ability to make money when it goes down. And then it went down 2,900 points. So I made $5,000 in less than half a day. Mm-hmm. Because I position myself to make money when the stock market goes down before the stock market went down. So, yeah. so does does um, the coronavirus? Um, what's the word I'm looking? I a lot of people use the word pandemic. I'm going to use the word panic. Does the coronavirus panic? Mm-hmm. Like, is it costing money or is it making money? And the answer is, it depends on your position while it's going on. Like yeah. everything depends on your position. How do you, how are you positioning yourself? Are you positioning yourself to be punished by this or have you positioned yourself to prosper from this? Well, let's say you're like the average person in the United States of America and you have a job and the job that you work at is not a government job, but it's like a regular, it's a restaurant. It's a, 
Um, it's a department store and they decide to close their doors. And now you don't have a paycheck. Let's say they keep their doors closed for two months. Do you have two months worth of money saved up? Well, if you don't, you position yourself to let something outside yourself determine whether or not you thrive or just barely survive when this happens. Right? Wow. It's how you position yourself. I'm not, I'm not saying that people who are afraid are babies and I'm not saying, I'm not going to start calling people names. Oh, if you're afraid, you're a loser. If you're afraid, you're like, that's ridiculous. All that conversation is ridiculous. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say maybe instead of just panicking, because one of the things that we know, this is like a fact that you can look throughout world history. When emotions go up, intelligence goes down. And when intelligence goes up, <laughs> so we got to figure out whether we want to be highly intelligent right now or do we want to be highly emotional. And if we're going to be highly intelligent, we have to stop being emotional. And so we have to ask some questions. And so for me, I always ask questions in times like this. Okay. You, you've got two big powers that are manipulating people like puppets or marionettes, right? You got two big perceived, two extremely large um perceived powers. What are those? They're media and government. Okay. And the question I have to ask myself when I'm looking at media and government, I'm not talking about the United States government. I'm talking about worldwide government. I was in Israel when this craziness started was happening. Yeah. So I was in Israel and we're in Israel and people start texting me. Hey, Myron, are you going to be able to get back home? Okay. Sure. Why wouldn't I be able to get back home? Okay. I don't know. I don't ever watch the new, the bad news. People call it the news. I call it the bad news. I don't ever watch it. I don't ever read it. I don't listen to yeah. it. And I don't have any space for it because I don't, it, it's, it's, a, it's a waste. It's like a waste of bandwidth, right? So I don't ever watch it. I figure I got enough negative people around me when I go through the grocery store, when I got, there are enough negative people in the world. If something really major is going on, somebody will tell me about it, right? So, um, so anyway, kept getting these texts. Hey, you're going to be able to make it home? Yeah, why wouldn't I be? Oh, I just heard that um, Israel closed their borders. You're going to be able to get out. I just heard that America closed their borders. You're going to be able to get out. Ah, yeah, it'll be fine. But be, even before that happened, like even before any of that happened, <laughs> I got there. When I got to Israel, I texted my travel agent who books all of our flights for us. And I said, hey, dude, um, like the customer service on Lufthansa was awful. Like remind me never to book a flight on Lufthansa again as long as I live. Right. Mm. So when I sent that text message, he changed my return flight from a Lufthansa flight to a United flight without me even like he didn't even communicate with me. Like I don't even. I'm not, I'm not worried. He does my deal. He's like, he's my dude. Like do what you, you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Cause I don't yeah. know how to do what you do. And I don't want to know how to do what you do. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. So he changed my flights to United. And so instead of flying out on Lufthansa, we flew out on, he changed the flight out in United. Well, it just so happened that Georgia, I'm not Georgia, um, Germany shut down its borders. So if we were going to fly Lufthansa, we would have gotten stuck in Germany. If I'm going to get stuck somewhere, I'd rather get stuck in Israel than Germany. <laughs> right. Sign me up for that program. I was way, I was like, okay, well, if our flight gets canceled, we'll just be in Israel for a couple more weeks. I can live with that. Um, if that's the worst thing that ever happens to me, I'm going to have a great life. Right. Anyway. So, so, um, but he booked it and we got, we got home fine. I didn't, and I, and I wasted zero time worrying about it. If you think about all, like if you take inventory of everything you've ever worried about in your entire life, I mm -hmm. would say you would have to conclude that less than, 10% of it ever came to pass. So all of that time you spent and energy you spent worrying about this future outcome was wasted. Yeah. And it was energy you could have used to do something positive, but you wasted it. So you didn't even get to use it. It's just part of your life that got flushed down the toilet. 
right? Because if, yeah. you, if you understand like human psychology, you, you understand that people do things. You, you may have heard me say this many times, Brian, but you, people only do things for one reason, one reason only. What's that? Because they feel like it, right? Mm. So the question I've got to ask myself is not how do I do the thing that's going to make my life better? The real question is, how do I make myself feel like doing the thing that's going to make my life better? Because when I figure, the answer, figure out the answer to that, how do I make myself feel like doing things that make my life better? How do I make myself feel like exercising? How do I make myself feel like eating right? How do I make myself feel like getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning between yeah. the four right? Yeah. How do I make myself feel like doing that? And if I can figure out how to make myself feel like doing the thing, ah, then I'm going to have like an almost magical, miraculous life. Right. And so what most people don't realize is they will look outside of themselves and they will see a fact. Right? I'm looking at this fact mm-hmm. and they think that the fact is the determining factor. The fact is not, the fact is just the fact it is what it is during the depression. A lot of people lost their fortunes. Some people lost their everything they had. Other people made the best, biggest fortune they ever made in their lives. Yeah. So it, wasn't, it wasn't the thing that happened that made the, that determined what the outcome it was the, focus that they put on the fact because focus is something that happens in our head, right? And the focus that we have in our head about the fact that's out there in the world, that focus creates a frame and that frame, that focus, then that focus is a frame. And then it brings into my head a belief, right? And what most people don't realize, Brian, is faith. I mean, I'm sorry, belief can manifest itself in one or two ways. If, 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 you, if you believe that the outcome you desire is going to happen, then that belief manifests itself as faith. But if you believe more in the outcome that you don't desire, then that belief manifests itself as doubt. But doubt and faith are both belief. People say, oh, I have faith. I don't have doubt. I'm, I, no, they say, I have belief. I don't have doubt. Well, belief and faith are both doubt. I mean, doubt and faith are both belief. Yeah. Like if you take a coin, if you take a coin, mm-hmm. okay, like I've got this one-tenth shekel, right? So if I flip it, if I flip this coin, right, and it lands on heads, that's that's faith. But the coin is the belief. If I flip it again, it landed on heads again. But I'm going to pretend it landed on tails. <laughs> yeah. That's doubt. But here's the difference. Belief is not a coin that we flip. Belief is a coin that I just take and I say, I'm going to put my belief. I'm going to put my belief on tails and I'm going to believe more in the outcome I don't desire than I do the outcome I do desire. Or I can put it on heads and say, I'm going to believe more in the outcome I desire. So you have to ask yourself in times like this and at any time, yeah. what is the outcome that I desire? Okay. I'm going to believe that that's the only outcome that's possible for me. And then I'm going to have energy to work towards that outcome. Powerful. If I, if I believe in the outcome I don't desire, then it robs me. It doesn't, it robs me of the ability to take the action that can produce the opposite so literally worrying about something not working makes the thing not work. You picking up what I'm putting down? So yeah. I've got this belief, right? This, this focus in my head, and this focus is a belief, either doubt or faith, right? And then it doesn't stay there. What does it do? It migrates down to my heart, and then I have this feeling, right? So the fat focus in my head turns into a feeling in my heart. What's the feeling? Well, it depends. If it's if if the belief is faith, the feeling in my heart is anticipation. But if I if I take the coin and I put the coin on tails, and my belief is doubt, then the then the feeling in my heart is anxiety. See, mm-hmm. most people think that they're afraid when they're really anxious. 
anxiety and fear are not the same thing. They make us feel similar, but they're not the same thing. Fear is caution over a real and present danger. I was driving my golf cart yesterday, and I ran over a snake. <gasps> ran over a snake. It wasn't a poisonous snake. <laughs> Allegedly, according to some dude walking down the fairway, but I don't know. They all look the same to me. But anyway, ran over a snake. Every now and then, I'm playing golf. I hit my ball, and I didn't hit it where I wanted it to go, and it's laying over by the snout of an alligator. Hmm. Yeah. My fear of alligators keeps me from turning my back on an alligator to hit a golf ball. I don't like hitting golf balls that much, right? <laughs> so instead, what do I do? I say, I'll throw a ball out over here away from the alligator and then hit it because fear can serve you. Yeah. Fear can save your life. Anxiety cannot serve you, does not serve you, and it is the thief of your dreams. Right? Because Very well said, yeah. Energy, it robs you of the energy to take an action to produce an opposite outcome. So what happens is when I have anxiety, I have the same physical response in my body as I do when I have fear. It feels the same, but it's different. Because fear is caution over a real and present danger. Anxiety is caution over a future imagined danger. So now we have all these people, mm. we've got hundreds of millions of people, billions of people around the world worrying about getting a disease. I'm not saying that you should not have any concern to take any precautions. I'm just saying, like, all this, oh, my goodness, what if I get, like, that is, like, so, that's a gross overkill, in my yeah. opinion, in my opinion, right? And so, so what happens, what happens is we have anxiety, and then anxiety Anxiety like paralyzes me because my heart starts palpitating. <laughs> my breathing gets shallow. My head starts sweating, and all I can do is sit down. I can't do anything. I'm I can't move. Why? <laughs> because the focus in my head created a feeling in my heart, and the feeling in my heart creates a function in my hands. And if the feeling in my heart is anticipation, in other words, I'm looking forward to whatever. Yeah. The function that shows up in my hand is called power. But if the feeling in my heart is anxiety, the function in my hand is called paralysis. And now I can't act. And my inability to act is what causes me to miss out on all of my opportunities. Powerful. So, Very well big, said. I know that was a big my runs, my rant. But <laughs> help someone. So I, that, I, have, I have to ask myself, I have to ask myself when I see what I call the cultural hypnotic societal mechanism attempting to, and successfully creating so much anxiety in the hearts and the minds of people. I have to ask myself, what is it that they're trying to create anxiety around? Mm -hmm. Because when I know the answer to that, then I'll know who they're attempting to give power to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So really powerful. Yeah. And I'd say for the audience, you know, again, this is probably another part that you would re-listen to again, because I think Myron laid it out at a deep level. I mean, the principle behind everything. So I'd say really, you know, listen to this again and really capture what he's explaining here. But I'd say, you know, even for the audience, like what would be, you know, maybe some actionable steps that, that they could do to like keep their focus yeah. Uh, to take advantage of on opportunities. Of so, I mean, first of all, first of all, make up your mind that you're never going to get stuck like Chuck in a pickup truck like this again. If all you, if all of your income comes from the job that you have, figure out how to start a business that you can do operate from home. Like 
I work from my house, right? And I think we have, I don't know, we have five or six subcontractors and four employees in my company, right? Everybody in my company works from home, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to send anybody home. And I was just talking to one of my subcontractors today and I said, look, here's the deal. You don't have to, like, you don't have to worry about your income going away. Like, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Like, so anyway, so you don't, like, your income is going to be stable. It's not going anywhere, right? Like, mm. I know, I know, I know thousands of people personally. I, Myron Golden, know thousands of people. The average person out there probably knows hundreds of people. How many people would you guess that you know, Brian? Thousands, yeah. Thousands of people. How many people do you know personally that have coronavirus? None. Yeah, yeah not at maybe. this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now that, like, so what's all this about again? It can't really, well, maybe it can be. It doesn't seem like to me mm-hmm. that it has anything to do with protecting people's health. It has, it has, seems to me to have to do with creating mechanisms of control over the masses. I could be wrong. I could be, I could be like way out on left field. Dude. <laughs> I, I could yeah. be way out. At least, but at least, at least I'm willing to admit that. Yeah. Hey, I could be way off base, but it seems like, all I'm saying is it seems like that to me. And so, since it does, somebody asked me, are you going to quarantine yourself? Self-quarantine? Yes. I said, I'm going to self-quarantine myself on the golf course this afternoon in about two and a half hours. <laughs> the same thing I did yesterday and the day before, and we'll do again tomorrow. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think, you know, you know, on, on the side, probably a part of the fear is like, you know, maybe that they see that kind of the, the speed of the way it spreads, I guess. Right. And, uh, the, the way that it that it's spreading allegedly. so fast so yeah allegedly. allegedly and you know the social distancing and all that stuff that they're implementing now um but you know it leads to a good point that you brought up which was the you know figuring out how to start a business from home because mm-hmm. i think you know they basically told people and this this is something that i really thought that i think after this point i mean you know it, it's going to be it's going to be tough for a number of months. But then after this point, I think there's going to be a cultural shift, meaning that, like you said, you do business from home, you work with your employees, uh, they get to work from home. Yeah. Same way here in tech, like I work with people around the world and we work remotely and I've been doing it for over a decade like that. Um, the, the same way in, in, you know, work from home doing business, that's, that's a norm to me, but it's not the norm for probably 90% of the people out there, which is just like, okay, you know, like my kids, they're like the schools uh, are now physically closed and you have to, you know, now you're switching to e-learning, learning online. And then, you know, so now that's most of the people. And now you got uh, people that are, if you can work from home, work from home. So now you got a mass that's now going to get used to, hey, I can work from home. Hey, mm-hmm. I can learn from home. And hopefully they catch on, hey, I could do business from home as well, uh, where, you know, now at this point, you know, I would say compared to the rest of the world, there's a, you know, there's a small fraction of that. I was wanting to get your thoughts on that. Like, I mean, we're, I think yeah, we're going to oh, see this shift. Yeah. And, and like one of the things is really amazing. Like I went to breakfast this morning. There was no traffic on the road. It was great. <laughs> no traffic. I got to the restaurant. I was the second person. I got to the restaurant at um, 10, 30, no, at 8. 8.15-ish, 8.15. I was the second mm-hmm. in the restaurant. It was great. 
Like there was no line. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. If, wow. people, if more people began to work from home, I think car accidents would be less. There'd be less, there'd be fewer car accidents. There'd be fewer cars on the road. There'd be less road rage. There'd be less stress. I, yeah. I mean, if I were like the average person, like sometimes when I'm going to the airport at seven o'clock in the morning and I get stuck in traffic, I'm like, wow, there are people in this, on this road right now who are beside the same car, behind the same car, in front of the same car every single solitary day, five or yeah. six days. Like yeah. I would just pull my eyebrows out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And well, actually, even in, in our state, I don't know if they, they did it in yours, but I mean, they now closed down the restaurants. Yesterday was the last day we could go to public restaurant in the state of Illinois. So okay, um, based, uh, yeah, out of Chicago in the suburbs. Um, but yeah, the entire state now, you know, closed, uh, public restaurants. You can, you can pick up things. Um, but, uh, I mean, so th- there's going to be, you know, and you know, they're taking all the necessary precautions, you know, for the social distancing and hopefully that plays out soon. But I mean, I think again, you know, it's going to open up a whole window of, of, of people that need to look for an opportunity because, you know, now some of those jobs or maybe businesses where it was more of a in-person business. Now the government changed the rules on them. Now they need to look for something else. Uh, the stuff that we do on Tech Money Talks is all about, you know, a lot of the online business opportunities that we can do. There, there's so many great, great things that you can do. And it's also being able to do it remotely, but even related to, you know, careers and stuff like that as well. I mean, work from home opportunities, Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this, this kind of shift. So I would say, what would you say to like the, you know, the type of person that I guess maybe now they're being forced into needing to look for new opportunities, you know, what would you recommend some of the steps that they should look? Well, first of all, just decide to do it. Start with that. Start. I'm going to do something. I'm going to figure it out. If it takes me a year. If I'm as slow as Myron, it takes me 14 years. I'm going to figure out how to do something differently. Yeah. So, like make a decision and to decide means to cut yourself off from any other possibility. I don't mean make a choice. I mean, make a decision. This is what we are going to do. That's number one. Um, number two thing I would say is um, find somebody who's producing the result that you desire to produce and pay them to teach you how to do it. Like that could be Brian teaching you how to do like um, um, e-commerce, like selling stuff on Shopify or Amazon or, or, or through your own sales funnel. Or click funnels. Yeah. <laughs> your own click funnel, sell funnel, sell funnel. Like find somebody who knows how to do something other than have a job. Like find somebody who's successful working from home. And like ask them if they'll teach you. If they're in your family, maybe they'll teach you for free. If they're not in your family, like maybe your brother-in-law who's been working from home from the last six years is not as nutty as you thought he was. Maybe he actually knows something. Maybe your sister-in-law who you think oh, she just doesn't want to have a job. Maybe she knew something. Mm-hmm. Find some of those people. And if you can't find anybody like that, go online and research how to make money from home. Um, you'll find you'll find some good opportunities, some bad opportunities. But hey, guess what? Just yeah. looking will open up, the opportunity, open up some doors for you that not looking cannot open up. Yeah, very well said. And, um, and that, that's been the point of the podcast. Like, you know, for myself in the background, you can see a few gray hairs here. Like I got some years on me. I've been around since the dot com. <laughs> you got, you got some matching few. And but I've been around since the dot com boom, the beginning of e-commerce and and been a part of it since then. But now I'm at the point in my life. The point of doing the podcast is is part of giving back um, to help educate because I, I see and it it happens in all industries, but I mean I, I see it in you know online business, 
that, you know, people that are looking, they might be jumping on YouTube. They don't, they see some Lambo gurus and they don't really know what to believe. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're getting scammed out of thousands of dollars. And, uh, you know, so to kind of counteract that, uh, because I mean, a lot of the things that you can do, uh, related to e-commerce and online business, um, you know, it's a valid business model and actually it's going to be a part of the future. These past couple of years already, there's been, you know, habits, you know, shifting of buying habits. I mean, we see brick and mortar stores closing Toys R Us closing last year before Christmas, like, man, Toys R Us. And I was like, this is before, yeah, yeah, before anything like the coronavirus and stuff like that. I mean, stores were already beginning to close because buying habits are shifting online on their mobile device. I almost never go to a store for anything. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it was naturally shifting. And now I think, you know, this, this whole, you know, thing that that's happening across the world, I think it's going to accelerate the, the, the need for, for doing, you know, doing things remotely, Absolutely. one buying things remotely, but then seeing that they can produce, you know, remotely either from work or through education or hopefully, you know, in business as well. But point of the podcast was like, you know, trying to, trying to highlight pe- people like yourself. I'm really grateful that you're doing the podcast here uh, to connect with people that have been, you know, helping people and, and delivering real results. I call it keeping it real people that have been keeping it real mm-hmm. and, and making that connection. I think over this past year, you know, now officially being sponsored by Spotify where two years ago when I tried to get the podcast started, mm-hmm. I, I applied to get it onto the platform. I was like, you know, no, they didn't approve because I wasn't a big name podcast at the time, but now fast forward to today, uh, you know, you know, they, they paid to, to have the show, you know, running on their platform, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So awesome. a lot of great things like that. But, you know, one of the things that, that I was curious about that I think was pretty cool because we met at the Funnel Hacking Live event. I was wondering if you could share the story, you know, how you got connected with Russell Brunson and, and everything there related to ClickFunnels and Funnel Hacking Live. Yeah, I met, I met Russell back in 2011 at an event that he and Dagan Smith did in Washington, D.C. called the Invisible Funnel event. Wow. OK. So that's where I first met Russell. I knew about him before that, but that was where we first met. And he and Dagan, Russell, Russell and Dagan put on an event and they have one of my favorite dudes there, TJ Rowletter. I don't know if you know who TJ Rowletter is. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh-huh. Okay, so TJ Rowletter wrote a book called How to Get Rich in the Business Opportunity Market, which I knew who he was, but I had never read his book. His book, How to Get Rich in the Business Opportunity Market, was really good. And so they gave that to everybody and TJ was there. And so they were, they were having conversations and they were like, um, so what do you do when people are like, oh, your price is too high? And I said, hey, Dagan, would you like me to share what I do? And he said, sure, come on up and share. So I got up and that's where I got up and shared the concept of the price marinade. And Russell was like, oh my goodness, that was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> we had lunch that day and we exchanged some ideas and exchanged phone numbers and we stayed in contact. And then I got a sales letter from him um, back in 2015 or 14 and I opened it up and I invented this golf fitness product, right? And so... Um, He talked about this guy in this magazine who, in this sales letter that he wrote, he talked about this guy who invented this golf program. And he literally, he said, I was, I tried to help him, but he didn't want me to help him. So he flushed $20 million down the toilet because he didn't want this golf thing. I said, well, I don't want to flush $20 million down the toilet. So I'm going to let Russell figure out how to sell my golf product. And so Russell was selling his inner circle. At that time, it was $25,000. And so I joined it with my two children, with my son and my daughter. And we start, got connected to all these high-level business people. And the rest, as they say, is history. 
Um, a couple years ago, Russell had me speak the first time at Funnel Hacking Live in 2018 in Orlando. And then he had me speak, but then he also had me do a thing called a repitch. And so he offered his program and then he had me do a repitch and offer his program again. And in 27 minutes, I did $3,852,000 in sales from Russell <laughs> State of his program. And he's like, okay, dude, you, you win. So anyway, we just, <laughs> you win. Yeah. We, just uh, we just have stayed connected. He's one stayed of my dearest He's one of my wow. dearest friends. The people in the ClickFunnels community are some of my closest friends. And I've helped a lot of those people make a lot of money. Yeah. So. Really great, man. Thanks for sharing that story. And uh, yeah, I mean, even for myself, you know, being back at that time, you know, I was, you know, observing, you know, Russell's journey at, at a distance. Also, myself doing various things on online and, you know, using, you know, ClickFunnels as a platform for for other forms of online business. But then recently, like I was sharing with you, um, you know, using it more for uh, for drop shipping, which which uh, has has been, you know, taken off. And and currently, you know, the main platform has been using Shopify. But I was like, okay, well, you can actually use the marketing power of and and the principles of of sales funnels and click funnels. Wrapping that around Shopify drop shipping, just like man, I feel like it. Yeah, I feel like it's a competitive advantage that you know compared to the. I call it traditional mm-hmm. Shopify drop shipping, but you know, you leverage the power of, of ClickFunnels and the marketing principles behind it. Sure. Man, yeah, it's really creating some special right, skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great stuff, man. Yeah. So yeah, great story for sure. And and I saw, you know, even to speak, I saw Byron, you know, you know, speaking on on stage and and even caught some of the previous ones and Every one of them, just like the principles he's laid out here in the podcast, you know, he also did, you know, various great things on stage as well. And that actually, that reminds me, you even have a program that's called like Stage Selling Secrets, I think. I was wondering if you I could do. talk a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah. So I have a program called Stage Selling Secrets. It's a high level program for high level entrepreneurs who are authors, speakers, coaches, um, people who would like to figure out how to do what they do and sell one to many instead of one on one. And I teach people how to sell from the stage. And I've got students um, who are doing remarkably well. Um, I've got a, a, a homeschool mom out in Houston, Texas, who took my wow. course here. And literally her first event that she did after she took that class, she did $108,000 in sales. Um, I've got a guy here in Tampa who's a physical therapist. And um, he bought my training program. Um and he did a live event here in Tampa within 30 days, maybe 45 days of the time we started working together. He did a live event. He did $1.9 million in sales at that event. And there's just story after story after story. But if you want, like, if you want to see if you qualify to work with us at that level, that's for high level entrepreneurs, not for somebody looking to do something. This is for people who already have a successful business. You can go to stage selling secrets.com stage selling secrets.com and um, look at the case studies um, fill out an application and um, go through the interview process and see if you qualify to work with us. But um, for the, is it okay if I give away some free stuff for people who are not right at that level, like, or just looking to like get started? Maybe they don't have a business. Is that okay? That would be great. People love free stuff. Okay. So um, one, I've got a free Facebook group and everything that, everything that I know in business and everything that I teach in business comes from the Bible. So if you, if you hate the Bible, this is not going to be for you. Okay. So I'll just tell you that right now, but it's called Bible success secrets, Facebook group. And I teach business from a biblical perspective. Okay. 
Bible Success Secrets Facebook group. I also have a my book from the Trash Man to the Cash Man. You can get it for free. Um, pay nine dollars and ninety nine cents shipping and handling, and then um, you get free access to my membership site, which is called Bible Success Academy, and that's free for two weeks. And then if you like it after that, it's twenty seven dollars and ninety nine cents a month. If you don't like it, just let us know before you're charged. We won't charge you anything. And if you don't like the book, you just have to tell it. Send me an email. I didn't like this book. I thought it was horrible. We'll refund your shipping and you still get to keep the book. Like, so absolutely no risk there. Powerful. And um, you can get that at biblesuccessacademy.com, biblesuccessacademy.com for the free two-week trial to the membership, as well as for the free copy of Trash Man to Cash Man, pay $9.99 shipping and handling. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll leave, we'll leave links to that in, in the show notes for sure. Yeah. I'll be joining the group too, to be a contributor there. Cool. Um, I, I think it's really great stuff. And, and I think it's really great what you're doing. And I'd say even for the audience, I mean, there's actually a good number of, of audience, even with the people that I've interviewed, I know from stats, I mean, they're, they're one of the ones that are, that are listening to the podcast and actively following along related to tech money talks. And sure. a lot of them are reaching that stage you know, they're kind of like that, you know, people label it like new rich, right? So because mm-hmm. they they stumbled on drop shipping, made a bunch of money real quick over the past year or two, and uh, now they're they're stepping out. And that's part of the reason why they're on the podcast, you know, because they're beginning to to step out as high performers and, and mm-hmm. leverage. So I'd say, you know, if you're looking and then to get on to, you know, stage selling, you know, Myron is, you know, probably you know, no one better in the, in the world to, to help with that. So I think that's really great stuff. But, you know, it leads me to one question sure. because, um, and even to give you some context of, of from where I'm coming from, in Chicago over the past, uh, I think it was like last year, focusing on the online business space and with the, with the podcast I started, uh, I was like, well, what, what meetup group, what group can I plug into in Chicago? And there wasn't anything popping off. So long story short, I created a, a, a meetup group so that we could do these kind of monthly events. Mm. And, but then I picked up a, a, a big office space it's called 1871. It's like this really big in the merchandise mart off of River North in Chicago. Really big space. It's like it's the number one space for like startups, uh, tech and business, everything like that. But it gives us all this opportunity to, to host bigger events. So we had like, you know, 24-7 access, but long story short, we have weekly workshops and then we're doing monthly major events. And this continued and it grew, I'd say over the past eight months, it's grown to like over 260 members. Wow. And and we do this recurring, but related to the events and now with the current things that have just happened as far as, like I said, you know, restaurants have closed, but over this past month, and and the events that we were planning to do next month, we sort of stopped like the in-person events, you know, the social distancing in-person events in this current time right now. Hopefully, you know, things will change down the road. But I was wondering about your thoughts about, you know, okay, alternatives or, or ways to still be able to. Sure. Know, Maybe yeah. it's like a virtual stage or, you know, have you been thinking about oh, that? Virtual stage is the best stage in, in the world because I can literally go in there in my other, in my green room, my other office across the hall in my house. Okay. And I start set up and I can set up this very same iPhone on, on a monopod or a tripod and then go live on Facebook and do a presentation. And then people just start showing up for it. 
And then I can make an offer at the end and people come to the offer and they say, okay, I'm ready to do this thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. like it's, it's a bigger stage, the virtual yeah. stage, is the biggest stage Thank in the world. <laughs> okay. And then when live stages open back up, you have people, all those people who bought whatever from you over that time period that they were closed, an opportunity to come together. And now next thing you know, you've and got they'll be itching to come out. together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, and it's cool to know. So, so like the stuff that you're teaching related to stage selling and stuff like that, it will work. work for- it will work even as well, if not better now, because people think, well, how do I get on somebody's stage? The best stage to be on is your own. Very so, well said. Yeah. Yeah. My stage is way more profitable for me than anybody else's stage that I speak on. I speak on a lot of other stages. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, very well said. So hopefully the audience is catching that, and especially for the high performers that have been been following the podcast um, that, you know, the stage selling, you know, doesn't just mean, you know, in person, especially with the times right now that you can be using those same principles for the virtual stage. And, uh, and I think many more things are coming down there as well. So this man, this is awesome stuff for sure. And, uh, it actually has me, uh, you know, curious. So what are some of the things that you're doing now, like related to, you know, we talked about education and now people are going to get used to, uh, you know, this online learning and stuff like that. But what are some of the things that you're doing to keep yourself, on the edge and current with the way things are changing? Well, I, it, it's not any different for me because I, I'm always learning something. Um, I always have a coach, at least one business coach, always. Like, like I will go without shoes, but I'm not going to go without a business coach because there's always somebody who can see what I can't see. So um, I'm always listening to an audio book. I'm always reading a physical book. I go to a lot of live events. I don't just host live events. I go to a lot of live events to sharpen my skills and to learn the things I don't know, but most importantly, to meet people who I can add value to their network and they can add value to mine. So it, nothing, like for me, nothing's changed. I still work from home. I, the only thing that's changed is now I don't have to get on an airplane three times a month. I can stay at home and do a live event from home. Like I've got a virtual event. I was supposed to be in Texas doing an event this weekend. It's going to be a virtual event. I, I'm speaking five times, but it's online. The whole thing's online. Me and the other speakers, I've got one of the speakers is in, um, one of the speakers is in Texas. The other speaker is in St. Louis, Missouri, I think. And I'm in Tampa, Florida. And instead of us getting on a plane and flying to Texas to do this live event, and we'll just do it virtually. And we had more people register, like a lot more people register now that it's a virtual event. And I think it's going to shift behaviors like that and, uh, you know, making more connections and reaching more people. And like, even from what I said about Chicago is that, yeah, even though there was, you know, 260 in person, like we would always beforehand open it up so that uh, there was people that couldn't make it to Chicago and they wanted to connect online. We were doing Absolutely. that as well. So Absolutely. really great stuff. And, th- and thanks for touching on on the education and even the coach uh, piece, because I think that's been one of I would say like there's power in the patterns. And I think a lot of the people that have had really good success is that, you know, they've all mentioned that they had they had a mentor in some shape or form, uh, whether it's a a coach or, you know, following people and, you know, what would you recommend for if somebody's now initially looking for that? Okay. So I'm going to say this and I'm I'm only going to, I'm going to be able to answer this question because I've got to get, I've got to get ready. I haven't eaten lunch yet and I've got to, (laughs) I've got a golf match coming up. Yeah. Uh, I got to eat lunch before I go play golf. But, um, I'm going to say this, um, like find somebody who's good at the thing you desire to be good at. So, 
um, or the thing you desire to get better at. Like when mm-hmm. I joined Russell's inner circle, I joined Russell's inner circle because in my opinion, Russell Brunson is the greatest marketer alive. And so I wanted to sharpen my marketing skills. I recently hired another coach because this coach is great at selling. Now I'm really, really good at selling. I've done millions of dollars in sales one-on-one, millions of dollars in sales online, and millions of dollars in sales from the stage. So I'm fairly good at selling. But I saw a guy and he did some stuff. That the only other person I ever knew who did it was me. I thought, this is a guy I can learn from. And he did some stuff that I don't don't know. I said, this is a guy I can learn from. I don't care how much this package is, I'm buying it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's my new business coach. So I would highly, highly, highly um, recommend that just like do some research, read a book, yeah. like read books by people. Like I see you've got Russell Brunson's expert secrets back there. Oh, yeah. um, um, TJ Rowletter. I don't know if he's a, I don't know if he does coaching, but I know his book is fantastic on how to get rich in the um, super rich in the information market and the business opportunity market. That's great. Um, Dot com secrets, which is Russell's other book. My book from the trash man to the cash man is great. There are a lot of great books out there and like read a person's book before you hire them as a the coach. Like go to one of their live events, join their Facebook group, listen to their podcast, like yeah. immerse like from a distance and then start to immerse more intimately. That's what I would recommend. Very well said. Yeah. And yeah, sorry about that. I want to be respectful of your time as well. And uh, I see that we're, we're coming at the end, the end of the hour. So what's the best way for people to follow you? Um, Instagram is the best. Like if you want to, like, if you really want to reach me and you know this to be true, right? <laughs> yeah. You can send me an email. I might not ever see it. Um, you could send me a Facebook message. I don't understand Facebook messenger. It doesn't make sense. My messages get lost. Um, but on Instagram, if you want to send me a message personally, I will see it. I will answer it. And, um, it's the best place to follow me. Cause that's where I put the most content is on Instagram. And, and your I'm tag name Myron, is Myron Golden, at Myron Golden, M Y R O N G O L D E N at Myron Golden. Awesome. Yeah. We'll leave links in the show notes. Well, man, I really appreciate your time here today. And, uh, and it's been, you know, really great. Dropped a lot of value. I'll give you a chance to leave some closing remarks and then you can go jet out, get some food and hit the golf course. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to say is this. Never stop growing. Never stop learning. Never stop being curious. Um, people who think they know everything, it's because there's, they just don't know that much. So they don't even realize how much there is to know that they don't know. People who know the most realize they know almost nothing. And so we stay curious. We keep learning. I would recommend you stay curious, keep learning. Don't let high school or college graduation be the end of your learning. Let it be the beginning. Very well said. Thanks so much, Myron. I really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. My pleasure, Brian. Appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech Money Talks. Endorsed by Player FM, you help make Tech Money Talks the number one dropshipping podcast on the planet. You help the show go mainstream because Tech Money Talks podcast is now officially sponsored by Spotify. If you're ever in Chicago, join our Dropship Chicago meetup group held at 1871 to meet with me personally and other professional dropshippers. We do meetings weekly. I'm now producing new, valuable content on YouTube weekly. Go check it out and subscribe. Tech Money Talks is teaching you all about money-making opportunities that technology can bring. We're just getting started. There's more great things to come. Stay plugged in. Throw me a shout-out. And remember, you're just one product away.